Good morning. I am excited to be here this morning. I'm excited to, to start off the non-spooky series on the Holy Ghost. We call it Ghost Stories because in the old King James Version of the Bible, they refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. Um, NIV and all the translations we tend to use today use the term Holy Spirit. And I, I have to uh, acknowledge the fact that in this room right now, there's probably all kinds of different viewpoints about the Holy Spirit. You know, some of us grew up in churches where um, the Holy Spirit wasn't talked about at all. You know, like maybe there was a reference to it when they um, talked about Jesus getting baptized and the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. But other than that, don't know a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. There's some of us here who are so excited for this series because you've experienced a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit and you want other people to experience that as well. And then I bet there are some of us here who are skeptical about the Holy Spirit or maybe unsure or even a little bit nervous about the Holy Spirit because you've seen um, things in your experience or in your past or on TV where you just aren't sure about this whole thing. I know when I first came to faith in Jesus, I was 13 years old and I was on a retreat, a weekend retreat away. And the speaker um, explained Jesus and the gospel in a way that I finally, like it clicked for me and I understood my need for a savior. And so that weekend, I committed my life to Christ. I decided that from that point on that I was gonna follow Jesus no matter what. And um, that same weekend, they also taught a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And there were people around me who were experiencing the Holy Spirit in, in incredible ways. And I remember looking around and thinking, okay, I'm good with Jesus not sure about this whole Holy Spirit thing. Now, I have come to learn since that the Holy Spirit is an integral, critical part of our faith. But I recognize and understand that for many of us, it's a confusing topic. And, and confusing not just for unbelievers, but for believers as well, for people who are new to faith, for people who've been uh, you know, followers of Christ for a long time. And so the hope is with this series, that we can get more on the same page about the Holy Spirit. And hopefully that for those of you who are here who are curious but not sure, or maybe even nervous or, or scared of the Holy Spirit, that you would stick with it and that you would experience God, the Holy Spirit, in a way that you have not before. And so we're going to start this week looking at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Um, so if, if you're in one of those um, kind of places of skepticism or, or nervousness or whatever, hang in there, come each week. You know, it, it, it's going to be something that will help you in your faith as you, as you walk along. If you are going on vacation, if you're going to the beach, go online, check out the sermons that you'll miss and be a part of this series. So we're going to look at what Jesus had to say. Now, the, the conversation we're going to look at is the last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples before he went on the cross. Theologians believe that this was, you know, like if you picture the old Last Supper uh, portrait in your mind, this conversation was what was being had during that during that meal. And then also um, when they're walking and they're getting going into um, the Olive Garden for where Jesus, not the restaurant, but the garden that had olives. Um, you know, not two meals, just the Last Supper, and then um, where, where Jesus gets arrested. And so this is all conversation that's happening right before Jesus gets taken away from the disciples. And he is preparing them for what's to come. 
And so he is informing them about what is going to be different and how things are going to change. And so he talks to them and he's telling them initially, look, don't worry. I'm going to leave. I'm going to die. I'm, you know, he's, he's kind of filling them all in. I'm going to go away and I'm going to come back. And he's saying all this stuff. And then he says this in John chapter 14, which, by the way, we're, we're only going to look at snippets of this conversation. So if you want to know the whole conversation that went on, which I would encourage you to do, you can look in John 14, 15, and 16 this, re- this week and get kind of the full context of this conversation, okay? But right now we're going to look at verse 16 and 17 in chapter 14 of John. It says this, I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, we're going to come back to just those two verses a lot. There's a ton of information right in there that you might not catch or, or, or see right away, but we're going, to, we're going to dissect those. But first, I want you to see how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. He describes him as a him, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not a force. He's not a dove. He's not wind. He's not fire. He's not your conscience. He's none of that. He is a person. Scripture talks about how he behaves like a person, that he speaks, that he guides, that he helps, that he comforts. It also says that he can be grieved and lied to. And this is important for us to understand that the, that the Holy Spirit isn't just a force. He's a person. And you can't have a relationship with a force, but you can have a relationship with a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, which leads me to the first point that, that you can take away from today, which is the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And yes, I did just bring up the Trinity because I'm trying to talk about every confusing thing possible in the Christian faith this morning. So we've got, now we've got the Holy Spirit. Now we're adding to the confusion the Trinity. The Trinity is this abstract reality that is hard for us as created beings to understand. But our God is one in three persons. That's the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, there will be people that you will meet. There are whole denominations of people who, who well, uh, there are religions that believe that the Trinity is not true because the word Trinity is not in Scripture. And that's true. The word Trinity is not in Scripture. But the concept of Trinity is all through Scripture. All through scripture. I'm just, let me just point out a few verses that, that show the Trinity as the Godhead. And the first verse is, is the one we just looked at, okay? It says, and I, so this is Jesus talking, that's one person in the Trinity, and I will ask the Father, now we're up to two, and he will give you another advocate to help you be with you for, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. We're at three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then, if you go further into chapter 14, in verse 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I, meaning Jesus, have said to you. Holy Spirit, Father, Son. Then you go on to chapter 15. These are all things Jesus said, by the way, okay? You go on to chapter 15, verse 26, and he says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you, okay, so I will send you, that's Jesus, from the Father, the Spirit, from the Father, so that's two, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, again and again and again, will testify about me. The Spirit, the Father, and, and Jesus are one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then we see it in the baptism of, of Jesus in the book of Luke. In Luke, it says, right after Jesus comes up out of the water from being baptized by John the Baptist, okay, he comes up out of the water, so there he is. And it says, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Now, take note there like a dove, in bodily form like a dove. He's not a dove, he just is kind of appearing like a dove in that, in that instance. And a voice from heaven, and, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, whom I love with you, I am well pleased. So we see Jesus coming up out of the water, Holy Spirit descending, and then we hear the Father. It's abstract, I get it. But the Trinity is all through Scripture. The Holy Spirit is God. The Trinity has existed for all of eternity as well. A lot of times when we think of the, you know, God the Father, we think Old Testament. Like Old Testament, the Father is, you know, the one who's doing all the work. Then the New Testament comes and Jesus shows up. So now we got Jesus. And then Jesus leaves and then Pentecost happens and then the Holy Spirit comes. We have Father, then we have Jesus, then we have the Holy Spirit. But in actuality, the, Jesus and the Holy Spirit were even involved in creation way back in Genesis. The, the, the Trinity has existed for all of eternity. In Genesis, one, the first chapter of the Bible, it says this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then from that point on, we see in the Old Testament that the Spirit was given to particular people at particular times to do particular things. So like, for example, the spirit fell onto Moses or the spirit um, indwelled David to lead and to direct the people. And at other times, the spirit would fill judges or prophets to speak and guide the people. But the spirit was not in every believer in the Old Testament. The spirit was only given to certain people at certain times who were in charge of doing certain things. The spirit was present, but he wasn't available to all believers. And then Jesus comes, and he dies on the cross, and he rises again, and things change. And God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in all believers. So everybody who has put their faith in Christ has the indwelling of the Spirit. Which leads me to my second point. The Holy Spirit is good for us. The Holy Spirit is good for us. Now, you may be thinking, well, of course he's good for us. He's God. Well, good. If you're thinking that, you're tracking with me. Okay? We're making headway here. Some of us, though, have had experiences where we've, we've either the Holy Spirit has been avoided completely or, or the Holy Spirit has been discredited or the people who presented the Holy Spirit presented it in a way that was just kind of weird. And I... And, 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 <laughs> I heard this pastor one time say, okay, the Holy Spirit's not weird. If people were weird with the Holy Spirit, they were just weird people. They would have been weird with or without the Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit actually makes us more normal than we could ever be without him because the Holy Spirit indwelling in us makes us more like the person we were designed to be. The Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. He's not weird. He is good. For thousands of years, people long to have access to the Holy Spirit. And we live in a time, because of what Jesus did on the cross, where we get to have the Holy Spirit in a way that thousands of people did not before. Because Jesus, what happened was, we, in the Old Testament, the sin was blocking the relationship between believers and God. But since Jesus did the work on the cross, he took away that block. And now we can, can commune with God in a very intimate way. If you go back to that first verse that I said we were going to look at a lot, it says it in there. Listen, it says, the spirit of truth. This is the beginning of verse 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He will be in you. If you are a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And that Holy Spirit indwelling in you makes it possible for you to continue to live in right standing with God. If you think about the Old Testament, and you think about how they had all the rules, they had all the Old Testament, I mean, they had all the, like, the Ten Commandments, and then they had rituals and, and other laws that they had to follow, where they couldn't eat certain food, or they couldn't touch certain things, and if they did, then they had to follow a certain regimen in order to get themselves clean again, or they had to sacrifice something in order to deal with a failure that they had done, or a sin they had committed. And it was this process of all these rules kind of constraining them and, 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 and helping to get them into a right relationship with God. Well, see, what happened was Jesus came, and when he died on the cross, he paid for all those sins, all those failings. He was the ultimate sacrifice to cleanse all of humanity for their sins. And so what happened was we don't have to continually work and and earn our way into a right relationship with God. We have that because of what Jesus did on the cross. He poured out then his spirit on all who have accepted that sacrifice. And so what happened is the laws that were once constraining people from the outside have actually come into us through the spirit. And now Scripture says that the law is inside of us. It becomes a motivator from within instead of laws that are trying to constrain us from without. I was thinking about it this morning, you know, because it's been so nice the last couple days, and I have just wanted to be outside. I was thinking that, you know, the Old Testament, like if you think about it, when you go for a walk in the winter for your health, like you're trying to be fit or whatever, and you go out and you go for a walk and you're like, I got to go for a walk. I mean, this is the right thing to do. I, got, I just should do this. So I'm going to go for a walk. But you don't really want to, but you do it because you know you should do it. And then when it's a glorious day outside, you want to go for a walk. You're motivated from within to go for the walk. And that's kind of what happens when the Spirit comes and lives inside of you. It's a similar feeling in that no longer is it what I should do, it is what I want to do. And that's the power of the Spirit in us. It was foretold by the prophet Jeremiah that this would happen. It says, I will, in Jeremiah 31, 33, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, this doesn't mean that if you, if you are a follower of Christ and you have the indwelling of the Spirit, it doesn't mean that you have a superpower to never sin again. It just means that you are motivated 
and you desire to obey, not because you should, but because you love God and you want to. And if you see from that scripture, you'll also see that it says the world does not see him or know him. Because the people who are not followers in Christ do not yet have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in them. Now, the Spirit can be pursuing them, the Spirit can be drawing them, the Spirit can be influencing them, but God is way better on the inside than the outside. And that happens, that initial filling of the Spirit happens when we accept Christ, when we commit ourselves to Christ. I know I distinctly remember the difference. When I, when I had that moment of faith, when I was 13 years old, after that, the world looked different. Things, things, I, no, I noticed things that I would have never noticed before. I, I, I noticed people like in Kroger, and I just felt love for them. I had no idea who they were. Or I, I um, you know, one time in particular, I heard someone say the, the Lord's name in vain, and it just like, ah, oh, it just turned my stomach. It hurt my heart when before I don't even think I would have noticed it. And what's cool about being in ministry is that you see this happen over and over and over again in people's lives, where, where something just changes in them when they step across that line of faith and the Spirit begins to dwell in them and live inside of them. And what's funny about that first weekend is that here I was fine with Jesus and not so sure about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was already at work in me. He had already been pursuing me, already been drawing me, and was filling me without me even realizing it at that moment. That's good. That's so good. And the truth is, is that none of us come to Christ unless the Spirit is at work at us in us already, or influencing us and drawing us already. You see, Jesus and what he did on the cross brings salvation. But the Holy Spirit, when he comes and starts to influence us and starts to open our eyes, it is only through the Spirit that we get the understanding that we need the salvation Jesus offers. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That is good. The Holy Spirit is good because he reveals to us our need for a Savior. John 16, this is in that same conversation that Jesus is having on that last night with the disciples. He says this, when he comes, meaning the Spirit, he says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit shows us our sin. The Holy Spirit shows us our need for Jesus. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. You know, you may think initially, well, I don't want someone showing me all my faults. But without the Spirit, is it, it is easy to look at sin and just be like, yeah, I made a mistake, it's not a big deal, nobody's perfect. But when the Spirit begins to work on someone's heart, all of a sudden that sin, it's not just about hurting somebody else, hurting you, it's not just about making a mistake. All of a sudden, you realize you've hurt God, and it matters to you. You realize and understand the weight and the gravity of sin, and that is a good thing, because then you realize you need a Savior, and that then brings you into a place where you are ready to accept what Jesus has offered you by dying on the cross. It's been so cool as I've you know, lived my life and watched other people come to faith, faith and see how this happens. The Spirit does this over and over and over again. It really is like putting glasses on for the first time. For those of you who know what it's like to have blurry vision and then you put on glasses and everything's crisp, 
and everything's colorful. There is something that happens in us when the Spirit helps us to change our perspective and our view of the world. There, um, recently, we went to the library, my, my kids, and, and I took my kids to the library because it's summer and they need something to do. <laughs> and so we went to the library and we got, we got some books. I'm trying to up their SAT scores, make them read, starting now at ages 7, 8, and 10. So we picked up a book on Helen Keller. And for those of you who don't remember necessarily, Helen Keller was, um, she was a toddler, got very, very sick, and lost both her sight and her hearing. And this was before she was able to speak, and so she never learned, like, language, never learned any of that. And so she's in this dark, silent world where she cannot communicate, she cannot understand what's coming at her, what she's feeling, what she's experiencing, um, without being able to see or to hear. So finally, her parents find out about this lady named Ann Sullivan, who's a teacher, who had been blind once, actually, and through surgery was able to see again with glasses. And so Ann Sullivan comes to work for the family, and she starts to try to teach Helen. And so she'll, she, would, she would have Helen feel something, and then she would sign into her hand. And then she'd have Helen feel something else, and then she would sign into her hand. And initially, Helen was just frustrated, and she, you know, would, would throw things and would tantrum because that's all she knew how to do. But then one day, Anne put her hand under water, and then she signed W-A-T-E-R, and it clicked. And Helen understood that that was water, that what she was feeling was whatever that was. And then she ran, and she went around, and she went all over the house, and she's picking up her doll, and she's picking up things, and she's, she's feeling it, and then she's having Anne sign it into her hand, and it's all of a sudden the world has opened up to her. You know, I mean, how do you, how do you even know emotion? How do you even know how to communicate if you don't even know that there are words for things, that you don't even know that things are things? And Anne Sullivan came alongside Helen and she helped her. She taught her along the way. And that is what the Holy Spirit does in us. It's such a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit does in us. We, on, in this broken and fallen world, we are limited in what we can see. We don't see what we're supposed to see. And we don't, we don't understand all that we, we should understand. And so the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and he teaches us and he helps us to understand and he helps us to see things the way God wants us to see things. It's a whole new thing and it's good. The, the other really great thing that God does through his Holy Spirit in us is the Holy Spirit gives us an assurance, a peace a confidence before God that we didn't necessarily have before. Romans 8 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, before I came to Christ, and I can say this about other people too, before they came to Christ, when they're in that interim stage of like, yes, there's, I can't do this on my own, I'm not perfect, I'm, I keep messing up, and there's this, this constant striving to, I got to get it right, I got to fix myself, I got to get it right, I, you know, all this like religious striving. But then when, when you accept Christ and the Spirit comes, he brings this confidence and this peace that, oh, it doesn't all rest on me. What Jesus did on the cross makes me right with God. It's not about all that I do, all that I have to work on. And yes, we still, because the Spirit is in us, we desire to do good. But it's not 
what we're resting and, and um, relying on to save us. The Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is good. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit coming is better than him being here. In, in um, John 16, so again, in the same conversation he's having with the disciples, he says this, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. Now that's the NIV translation. Let me read the same verse in a different translation. This is the New Life translation. If you don't know, there's different translations of the Bible that all are translated from the original language. But because they were translated by different people, they may have different nuances, but the same meaning, ultimately. But look at this verse. This is in New Life version. It says, I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I go away. If I do not go, the helper will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying it's better that he goes and the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit is good. Now, if you notice in these two translations, the Spirit is called by two different names. In the first translation, it's advocate. In the second translation, it's translated helper. This word that is, that is the original Greek word is one of those words that in the original language, there's not a perfect matchup in English. And that happens occasionally. And so when that happens, you might see a little bit of a variance in the translations. What that word is in Greek is parakletos, which literally means to come alongside. And so what those translations are getting at, and you'll see this in other translations, it'll be uh, sometimes it's advocate, sometimes it's helper, sometimes it's translated counselor or comforter or intercessor. But the idea is that the Spirit comes alongside of us and helps us as we navigate this life. This is why he's good. This is why he's good. I mean, how many of us have said at some point in our life, I just wish Jesus would come down here and tell me exactly what to do. I just wish he would sit down next to me. I could look him face to face and say, okay, this is my issue. Tell me what to do. But the scripture says we have something better than that. That we actually have the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God living inside of us. That we have access to him in a way that we have no, no idea. God is way better inside of us than outside of us. You know, when I was, uh, I had just graduated college, and I was, there was a group of us that wanted to go to India on a mission trip. And that was a pretty big decision when you're in your early 20s to decide to go all the way across to the other side of the world to a place where you don't, you know, know much. And I mean, they speak English, but, you know, not everybody speaks English. It's intimidating. So we're, we decided that we would get together in Morgantown because that's where I'd gone to school. These are where all my friends were still. And that I, I came down to Morgantown. We were going to pray for a weekend. We were going to fast and pray and ask God to show us if each individually if we were supposed to go to India. And the whole weekend was a lovely weekend. We fasted, and then on the last day, we, we ate really good food. I don't even remember what it was, but it tasted great because I didn't eat all Saturday and Friday night and Sunday morning. And anyway, so it was really good. And then, but all these other people had felt, felt like God was showing them yes or no. Me, nothing, nothing. So I get ready to go, and I'm like, well, eventually, hopefully he'll speak. If he doesn't speak, I'll just make the decision. I don't know. So I'm getting in the car. I'm going to the gas station. While I'm pumping gas at the gas station, I have this thought in my head that I should read Romans 10. I don't know what's in Romans 10. 
I, I, I'm like, all right, well, I mean, I've been trying to listen all weekend long. Let me see what Romans 10 says. So I get done pumping gas. No one was behind me. So I stayed right there, got my Bible out, opened up to Romans 10. And this is what it said, popped like out of the page to me. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I knew, and as I was reading those words, it was like the Spirit was saying, I'm sending you. Go. I, I had no way to know what was in Romans 10. I mean, I guess I could have had a, already read it, but I, I didn't remember. That's good. The Holy Spirit is good. Which leads me to my last point. I want to look a little bit deeper. It's that the Holy Spirit is our helper. I want us to look a little bit deeper at this word parakletos, this, this word that means to come alongside, advocate, helper, counselor, comforter, guide. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to live this life well, the way God wants us to live it. If you look at what Jesus says about the Spirit in John 14, 26, it says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. I, am, I may have read Romans 10 before, but the Spirit reminded me and taught me the Spirit helps us. Then in John 15, 26, it says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Spirit affirms in us who Jesus is, helps us to understand who he is, and helps us to tell other people who he is. Then in John 16, it says in verse 12, I have much, this is all Jesus, this is all him talking right before the cross. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear, which right there, I love the fact that God gives us info, information when we can handle it. Like, I, I love that. Like, that alone is fabulous. But anyway, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, right there, for those of us who are skeptical about this whole spirit speaking and guiding, Jesus said he would speak and guide us and help us and direct us. Jesus made all these comments about the spirit right before he was leaving because he wanted his disciples to know, you're not going to be alone. I'm not leaving you alone. You will have someone who will help you, to guide you, to direct you, to remind you of the things I've taught you, to help you to understand what Jesus taught them. And having been a Christian for over two decades, I've seen this happen over and over and over again. I've seen God speak to me in ways that are just very obvious, like that Romans 10 example. Then there's other, been other times where I just have kind of this like sense of something. Then there's been times where I've had a thought and because I have pursued that thought, I realized it was God after the fact. But the Holy Spirit can guide us if we listen. Now, the hard part in our world and our time is, is becoming one of my soapboxes. We don't slow down enough to listen. We don't quiet ourselves enough to listen. But the Holy Spirit is here to encourage us and help us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will give people words for us to share with somebody else to encourage them. You know, on that trip to India, 
when, when we went, when we got there, you know, we had traveled 26 hours straight to get there and we were all exhausted. In India in 1998, I mean, I don't know what it's like now, but in 1998, it's complete, it was completely different than the United States. And I remember getting there and feeling completely out of sorts. I was tired, I was just like, this is weird, it smells weird, it looks different, I just don't even know where to put my faith in this. I couldn't feel God, I couldn't sense his presence, and here I thought I'm on a mission trip, I should feel like empowered, you know, and no, nothing. I mean, I was just tired, I was kind of sad, and I was just not feeling it. So we went to this village, we were staying in this village in a pastor's home, and I needed to be by myself. So I went out in the back porch and I'm just quietly, just to my, you know, in, under, you know, not out loud, but just praying. And I was like, God, I don't feel you. I don't even feel anything. And I'm like, but I know I love you, God. I know I'm here because I love you and I want to do your will. And then I just kept saying over and over again to him, just know that I love you. Like, I don't feel it right now, but know that I love you. And I don't know why I just needed to like, remind myself why I was there. I don't know, but there was just this, ah. Uh. Well, a couple hours later then, the pastor is there and we eat dinner and we ate on these banana leaves on the ground. It was totally fine. Then we ended up all getting diarrhea later, but that's okay. Um, but it, after dinner, he wanted to pray for each of us. Well, this guy didn't speak English. A lot of times in the, in the villages, they didn't speak English. And so he had a translator. So he put his hand on me and the first things he prayed for me was, God knows that you love him. It was the first thing he said out of his mouth. I mean, even every time I tell this story, I get chills. Every single time. He didn't speak English. I hadn't prayed out loud. He had no way of knowing that. And God, in that instant, was like, I see you in India. I see you on the other side of the world. I'm with you. There was, an, there was a time when I was speaking, and um, it was at the old building, it was years ago, and, um, and I was sharing about God's love, and I was talking about how God loves you, that he knows you, you know, and just stop for a minute. Do you know that God loves you? God loves you more than you can fathom and get. Anyway, so God was, I was telling, telling people that, that God loves you. And I was saying about it, he loves you and he knows everything about you and he still loves you. I said, he knows how many hairs are in your head. Now, I didn't plan on saying the part about the hair. And so I'm going on about, you know, he, he, he knows every hair that's on your head. He, he, after your shower this morning, he did a recount. And then I just kept going and I was talking, whatever. Well, this girl comes up to me after service. She was like a college girl. She came up to me, and she was obviously moved. And here, she had a disorder. I wrote it down here called trichotillomania. And it's when you um, pull out your hair, and you pull out your eyebrows and your eyelashes. Like, you have just kind of this, like, urge to do that. And she was struggling with this disorder. And that morning in the shower, she had felt so sad as she watched her hair go down the drain. And she knew in that moment that God was speaking to her. I can't tell you how many times after church services, people will come up to one of the staff members or up to Chris and say, you were talking just to me, or, or, or that, was, that, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And you know what? It, it's not that Chris is good. It's, I mean, he's good. But he's not that good. None of us are. It's that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. 
And he will use whoever is available to say what he wants to say to you. And there are times when you're sitting in here and he will speak to you. There are times you're going to be in the car with the radio off and he will speak to you. And, and for each of us, it's different. It just depends on, you know, he knows you well enough to know what will get through your thick skull. And so he will speak to you in whatever way you need it. And he will guide you and he will direct you. That is good because the Holy Spirit is good. He is God and he is our helper. Now, for some of us, still, you hear all this and you're still just not real sure. You're still a little bit nervous about where this series is gonna go. And let me just say, if the Holy Spirit is God, if he is good and if he is our helper, then who is trying to convince you to be nervous and fearful and unsure? Sounds to me like it would be the business of the enemy. And I would say, don't let him win. You get back here each week. You find out more about who the Spirit is. And you begin to develop a deeper relationship with God the Father through the Spirit each week. There are some of you here who are like, I want that Spirit. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm sinning. I know I I can't seem to get it right. And you have that religious striving that you keep feeling over and over again. And today, you just need to say to Jesus, come into my life, Jesus. Thank you that you died on the cross, that you forgave me for my sins. And Holy Spirit, come and fill me. You can say that to, to God at any point. Now, you can say it on the ride home. You can say it during the next song. But talk to God. Tell him that you're ready, that you want more, that you want to be filled with his spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you did not leave us on our own. Thank you that you have such a good plan for us, a plan that includes an intimate communion and relationship with you through your spirit. Father, I thank you that you are so big and so grasped that I can't even cover a fifth of it in one sermon. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us all come back next week, that you would help us if we're away to remember to watch online. But, Lord, that you would move in us, that you would change us, that you would make us more like you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come, that you would fill us all. In Jesus' name, amen.